Welcome to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here. Always happy to have a guest back on the show. Nicole Merrill was first on the show back in November of 2020, which feels like a lifetime ago. We were talking about conversation design. She had just written a book called Punch Down in the Face. We'll include a link to her previous appearance in the show notes for this episode. Nicole's continued to do interesting work in the space. She's now working doing conversation design for our financial services company. And she's also founded the Boring AI Company, where she's teaching folks about artificial intelligence and AI literacy. Great follow on LinkedIn. I want to welcome Nicole back to the show. Nicole, welcome to Trending in Education. Hey, thanks so much, Michael. I think this is the first podcast I've been a repeat guest. So nice. Really excited to chat. Yeah, yeah you must have done something right, which but. is good. <laughs> and I was mentioning you like you're someone I think about around the future of work and the William Gibson quote, the future is here now. It's just not very evenly distributed. I think that's true. And then some folks have been doing futuristic work for a little bit of time. When we first talked back in 2020, you had made the, the move to kind of focus on conversation design and, you know, take a little bit of a leap, honestly, and get out there in the space ahead of us. It's been a crazy ride, especially with the arrival of ChatGPT in November of 2023, and then the, the hype cycle that we're still in the midst of right now around <laughs> yeah. artificial intelligence. I'd love to hear a little bit from you on, you know, who you are and then what the last three plus years have been like doing the work that you do. Oh, yeah, definitely. I can say it's been a wild ride since we last talked. So I'm leading about, you know, these, these split lives. I'm, you know, working at a financial services company and working on conversational AI. So that's like designing chatbots. So if you think about, you know, your series and your, your Alexas, I was doing that type of stuff, but for text. And then ChatGPT came along. And everything changed. And at the same time, you know, I wrote this book, Punched Out in the Face, How to Upskill, Change Careers and Beat the Robot. Long title. But basically, the fact was I was teaching people about how, how to build skills for when AI shows up in the workplace. Right, so right. It had shown up pretty dramatically now. And right. I was doing trainings at the time and I started to notice this gap in AI literacy. And then ChatGPT came out and my clients were saying, hey, we need to know about generative AI. And it was like... Right. My work took off for boring AI. So I'm really leading this split life. And it's really interesting, you know, to be working on the products and at the same time teaching folks who don't have the background, the technical background, or really haven't had any experience with AI about it and thinking about, you know, how do I work with it? What's the impact of it? And so on, because I really want to bring people into the conversation. AI shouldn't be left to the engineers and the data scientists. We need right. more people and more perspectives. Yeah. So that's what I work on. Yeah, which is amazing. And if you think about the need that's out there, uh, it's really twofold. There's the literacy side, and then there's also the representation in the model side. Mm -hmm. And they kind of go hand in hand, I think, yeah. where if people yeah. don't understand how AI gets built and how mm -hmm. it's trained on the data, they mm -hmm. won't necessarily know that they're being excluded from yeah. some of the yeah. initial training data sets. Just to kind of get into it a little bit from the conversation design side. Yeah. Can you catch us up a little bit on what that field is? And it's another one where this is where prompt engineering and prompt <laughs> crafting and all that stuff kind of emerged as new jobs. There's also been kind of a rapid shelf life for some of those yeah. ideas. So I'd yeah. love to get some perspective from someone who's actually in the space. 
what's that been like? And then are you noticing trends? Are you noticing stuff around maybe future of work if folks are interested in this space? What are you seeing out there? For conversation design, you know, I like to simplify it and say, I help make computers talk, right? You know, with language models. So that's what we're actually dealing with is language models. This is the only type of model you're going to talk to, right? right. It has a very specific user behavior and interaction patterns. And so that's kind of the specialty that I work in. Mm. And my career is very much pre-GPT, post-GPT. Right. I'll be real honest here. When ChatGPT came out, I was happily living my conversation design life, right? Building bots. Sometimes they're not the greatest bots, but I'm still building them, you know? And then ChatGPT comes out and all of a sudden, wow, ChatGPT was doing things that were about 70% of what I do in my job. And right, I was like, right. absolutely shocked. Yeah. And, you know, to be really transparent, I was like, the immediate thought was, oh God, there goes my job. Right. And I say that because I know other people feel that way, right? I hear it from workshops and stuff. People are really worried about this taking their job. And that is a very valid feeling. So once I got over, I didn't even get over. I just worked through that and was like, okay, what is this? Right. And, you know, since then it's kind of balanced out and I have other feelings on that. But what I did was I really took kind of this idea of like, okay, something has come in that is going to change my work. Mm -hmm. What is it and how is it going to change? And mm -hmm. really kind of that simple framework to kind of dive deep. And I did, I just started diving deep. I'm fortunate that I was in a company that I was able to kind of pivot and get myself on a project where I could work with the technology. But I also did things like I pretty much tracked down anyone at my company that was talking about generative AI, mm -hmm. right? I just started DMing people on Slack and saying, hey, you're interested in this? What are you working on? Mm -hmm. And so it was, I was just getting kind of this, putting together this informal education mm -hmm. of what this technology is, how people are thinking about it. Even if it was like some hardcore engineer where I don't even understand half of what they're talking about, right? Right, right. I wanted to just get what's their perspective on it so I could understand, put all these pieces together. Yeah. That's really how I've evolved. And with prompt engineering, you know, we've kind of seen that like the headlines. Prompt engineering is the new job. You're going to make $300,000 a year. I'm sorry to say that is not true. I personally do prompt engineering in my job and I'm not making that. But it's also, you know, I look at jobs all the time for it and they're not looking, they're not paying that. And the prompt engineering is part of conversation design, but it's also part of how you work with these tools now. There's prompt engineering for I'm trying to build a product. Right. And then there's prompt engineering for, you know, your tools that you use. Yeah, right, right. right. Just to get something done. I want to create an email. I want to, mm -hmm. you know, summarize my show notes, right? Exactly. Like that. It does remind me of how much has changed, you know, really since we last talked where, yeah. you know, since these tools have emerged, I think everyone's had to reflect more on the nature of their work. And, you know, when you're talking about 70% of your current job description being disrupted. Yeah. That's Dow punching you in the gut. Like yeah, that's, yeah, that's it the is. flip side <laughs> of what your first book was about. But then the idea that you have to kind of survive that blow. Yeah. And almost like, you know, jujitsu, like take the energy from that blow and kind of like it can push you into a new direction. And the other thing it makes me think about is like, I think it's a stoic. I'm not sure which one said it, but like the only constant is change. Yeah. Or like, I'll say Marcus Aurelius, you know, I'm probably yeah. wrong. It's like Jeopardy, right? <laughs> Right. <laughs> but uh, but it does feel like we're in that space now where there might have been a time pre-GPT when you could kind of settle into a pretty safe career that was not going to be as 
quick mm-hmm. to, you know, the, sh- the shelf life of skills for the work that mm-hmm. you do would be yeah. a lot longer. I think now the whole concept of lifelong education is very much front and center because no matter where you are in your career, even if you're like a CEO in a large organization, there's a certain level of, you know, you talked about AI literacy. I think that's where I'd want to go next, where like staying AI literate means not just learning evergreen stuff that's going to be around forever. It also means learning what the tools are today, understanding Mm -hmm. that six months, a year, three years Mm -hmm. from now, these tools are going to change. And that's okay because at least right now, I'm using these relevant tools. I'm learning by virtue of doing it. And when I have to let go, I can. How's the AI literacy conversation going? How has that emerged for you? And and how are you thinking about educating people on this stuff? Yeah, well, so I'll I'll dive into that. But first, I want to point that part you said about the lifelong education is so key here. That's really the foundation of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, in my first book, I really broke that down. It was like, look, we have changed. This is pre-GPT and we, things have changed. We don't have those lifelong careers. You're going to be, you know, collecting skills as you go. And, you know, there are different ways to do it. There's, you know, learning on the job. There's maybe, you don't have to necessarily get a full new degree. Like we kind of like, we're taught like, get a degree, you're set for life, right? There are other options. YouTube, right? If you're good at self-directed learning, yeah. YouTube's beautiful, but not everyone is. Sometimes mm-hmm. we need structure. Mm-hmm. I need structure, right? So there are so many different ways to learn, but it's really getting into that mindset and saying, okay, I need to learn some things. I need to stay. I need to pay attention. I can't just put my career on autopilot. And for some people, that may feel uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. And for other people, it's like, sure, I can do that. So it really right. depends on where you're at. And so with the AI literacy piece, My focus is really getting people to embrace their curiosity about AI, right? I say from the beginning, you don't need to know how to code. You don't need to know hardcore math. You don't need to know any math, really, if you don't want to, because I know that can be very off-putting. What I want is for you to understand three things, right? Develop the skills in three places. One, understand how it works, you know, what a model is or what an algorithm is. And you can learn that pretty easily. Then I want you to think about how is it being applied? And this is a broad category. My focus is really AI literacy in the workplace. Yeah. So thinking about, is your company using these tools? Is your industry using these tools? What are they? And how are they using them, right? You don't have to know. You could even start there. You don't even have to know how they work. You could just do that yeah. to start. And then the last piece, and I think the most important piece, is what is the impact of these tools, mm-hmm. Right. I go back to when I talk about wanting to bring others into this conversation with different perspectives who are not engineers and data scientists. It's because I want that perspective, your expert perspective, to what the impact is of these tools. And I'm using tools broadly, right? Not necessarily technology, but tools, because AI isn't just, you know, floating out there, right? That it's embedded into a tool that somebody is going to use. Right. And it's going to be used on a group of people, Mm -hmm, (laughs) right? mm -hmm. So really breaking that down and thinking through that, that is really my focus with the AI literacy is to to get people to really break it down and apply those skills. And you can do that, right? There's a framework that you can apply and in the workshops I go into how and stuff like that, but that's what I, you should be doing. And that starts to perpetuate the, the learning piece. Mm-hmm. You're not just going to be like, okay, I learned what the tools are, right? Right, right. Things are going to evolve. And you may find that a tool that's being used in your workplace actually doesn't work that well yeah right right well that's good that you know that right mm-hmm. but now you can have an opinion on that and exactly. you, or you can investigate further yeah absolutely 
It reminds me of when folks talk about the human skills or the durable mm -hmm. skills. It's yes. the, the C's, you know, critical thinking, creativity, collaboration, communication. But the one that really jumps out to me when you're talking is communication. Mm -hmm. And AI literacy, lots of times, is communicating with people who they don't feel like they're part of the conversation. They don't feel right. like they're part of the community. It does relate also, I think, to talking to engineers in a human mm -hmm. way and actually yeah. trying to engage with the humanity of people who maybe are skewing a little closer to the AIs. Yeah. And then yeah. in your role specifically, you're actually both communicating with and designing the AIs at the same time. So I, I'd love to hear a little more from you on how you think about the importance of communication skills, and then perhaps how that relates to what's involved in, you know, ultimately to design these things. It's a collaborative exercise. It's a human exercise. And your ability to communicate needs to kind of span human, non-human, technical, non-technical. You're probably the person I know who's maybe intersected with the most of all of what I just was talking about. Right, so I'd, right. I'd love to hear more from you on communication, hitting like the wider array of folks that are out there, including actually engaging a little bit with the AIs as, as part of your work. Yeah, I definitely sit at really the intersection of, you know, tech and communication. I am, I have a communication background. Like I studied mm. languages. I'm liberal arts. I love to read, right? Like, so I am, so, you know, I am on the side of human. At the same time, I just got real curious about AI, you know, about six years ago. And you know, I've, I've just been on this track and I'm really interested in that human AI, how they work together. Yeah. Right? I say collaboration, but honestly, it's it's a little bit less collaboration and just like, what does it look like, mm. you know, to use these tools and who are they being used on? Right. Because right? Right. it needs human. I like the focus on human. And so for me, when I think about communication, what I'm really thinking about is going beyond your area of expertise. Mm -hmm. Right. People get really uncomfortable when, as we age in our careers too. you know, you get used to being really smart on the thing that you're really smart on, yeah. right? And so it can be really uncomfortable to shift into like, I actually don't know anything. Mm. And so I think that's what keeps people kind of in their kind of silos, right? Yeah. They're like, yeah. I know this thing. I don't know that thing, but I don't even know that thing. And so my push is really getting that cross-functional perspective, right? And, and I, you know, I'm going to advocate here for people doing that to go talk to technical folks, but technical folks need to go talk to the non-technical. And I, I, I hate saying non-technical. It's just a way to kind of divide right now because right. it's different degrees of tech. Just because mm -hmm. you can't code or you're not an engineer does not mean you're non-technical. Right, right. But engineers and data scientists should be talking to the experts. They should be talking to people who are closer to the problem they're trying to solve, right? Right, right. But from our side, if you're not working on, you know, building AI systems, getting comfortable with asking questions is really key. This is part of your communication. I tell people this all the time. I have a slide that says, ask the dumb questions. Yes. Right? Because you're not going to learn if you don't. Right. You know, there's only so much self-directed learning you can do and so many YouTube videos you can watch. Right. At some point, you've got to talk. Mm -hmm. And if you don't feel comfortable leading the conversation, then just start asking the questions. Right. You know? And I think that's, that's really what I, when I think about communication right now, when you're starting from the beginning, that's how to start is ask those questions and being brave to just get out there and put yourself out there and say, I'm trying to learn. Yes. And talk to people who you may not know what they're talking about. And you may say, what did you mean when mm -hmm. you said train a model? Right. What do you mean by data? Mm -hmm. Right. That's really where, where we, where when we think about these skill sets, that communication comes in. 
And then I'll add, you really hit it on the critical thinking. Hmm. We need critical thinking more than anything right. when it comes to AI. You and I have had a conversation about some of the hype out there. Yes. Right? And these just insane promises that are being made. And, you know, sometimes I hear things like, you know, well, you know, these chatbots are just going to be teachers. Right. And like, okay, my first question there is why? Right. Who wants that? Mm -hmm. And then my next question is, what is the impact of that? Right. If all of a sudden people are learning to write, I saw something that was like, oh, chatbots are going to teach people to write. I mean, come on. <laughs> right? Yeah. I want people to bring their critical thinking skills to that and say, okay, but why are we doing this? And mm -hmm. how, how would we do that? And then what happens if we do that? Right. What does that benefit? Right, right. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's interesting, too, if you think about, you know, the related problems that existed before ChatGPT came into the scene and the mm -hmm. large language models, generative AI, we had a lot of problems around media literacy, misinformation, polarization. You know, there's a lot of problems that already existed. I'm not sure, but I think in some cases, AI will probably make them worse before yes. it makes them better. And it does feel like if we don't wake enough people up soon enough, and particularly wake up people who maybe have been excluded from the conversation mm -hmm. soon enough, things could go pretty dark. Yeah. And that's where, you know, a little bit of fear is okay if it's motivating. Yeah. Too much fear can be bad because it can make you never leave your house or just feel like this technology is not for me and I don't even know what I'm going to do. I'm, you know, I'm just going to shut down and do what I'm doing day to day. You're someone who strikes me as able to connect on an emotional level about some of this stuff. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like, what are we up against? What are some of the challenges that we have to overcome? And then I really love that you talked about bravery and courage and the courage to be vulnerable, the courage to kind of put yourself out there. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it is very much, you know, it was reflected in, in your book. Mm -hmm. but I'd love to hear a little more from you. Like, what's the emotional landscape look like nowadays? And like, how do we get folks to break through on that level? Because it almost feels like if they don't break through there, they're not really going to pick up on the other skills. They're not going to really feel connected to what's yeah. going on. Yeah, I, you know, I talk to so many folks in these workshops and I can tell you, so I have these workshops and then I also have side conversations with everybody, right? Love, love the conversation. And there is this reoccurring theme of, is AI going to take my job? Right. And I have heard it from data scientists. I've heard it from engineers. I've heard it yes. from content marketers, writers, all these people across function. And I like every single time I say, you know what? I don't know. Right, right. <laughs> here's what I do know. I know that's a very valid feeling. I know that at least you're thinking about it. So I love that you're thinking about it. Right. So let's build from there. Right. Mm. I personally don't think it's going to take all the jobs because I think when you have, you know, a lot of times when people say it's going to take X job, they don't know what the job is. Right. You know, they're selling something. Mm -hmm. They're trying to get you to buy into something. Right. You know, and and so I think being able to kind of take that, that framework of like, is AI going to take my job? All right, let's look at my job. Mm -hmm. What is my job? Mm. What are the components? Because a job isn't, you know, it has tasks, right? Right. right. AI can't do a lot of tasks. Right. Thinking about, you got to get, again, with the critical thinking, what can it do? What can it not? What are the tools? Because we're talking right now about, you know, text, large language models are text-based. And we've seen the power of them. We have voice tools. We have image tools. We have mm. tools that'll create code, yeah. right? And not in one year, right? Mm -hmm. kind of yeah. so, video, video is coming online. Video. For sure. and, and so being able to really break that down and get really like tactical 
right, with that, take that emotion and say, okay, well, I don't know what's happening, but I'm going to figure some things out. And, you know, it's that, that control what you can control. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I like to point people into that technical di- direction, but I also like to point people into the direction of just leaning into learning more. Mm. Right. There are voices out there that are highly critical of these and they talk about what the impact of this technology is. And they talk about other AI. You know, we're talking about generative AI right now as a slice of it. There are other types of AI. You look at facial recognition. Yeah. Right. And the role that that's now starting to play in society. Mm -hmm. And so once you start on one path of kind of opening yourself up to learning and being curious about the tools and the technology, then you can start broadening. Right. And say, okay, well, what else is out there? Mm -hmm. And I think it's, you know, going to, I think you had said something about, you know, getting your head in the sand, right? Like people do, they put blinders on and say, that's not my problem. I've had those conversations and it's like, I want to be gentle and say, okay, I see that, you know, that's not your interest. I said, but do me a favor, go Google your industry and your tools that are being used in your industry. Right. And for AI, generative AI. So take your industry and generative AI and see what pops up. And then what might, might happen is they'll say, tools can't do my job right okay okay what do you think about in one year what if there in one year there was a tool that could what would you want to do now to prepare for that yeah absolutely and i know we're both parents uh, of young children yeah who i I think they've been calling this generation alpha generation which is just terrible yeah yeah Yeah. but i feel like it's more i've heard people and i've done this too call them gen ai because they're they're actually growing up with this stuff and just like, you know, we grew up with television and our, yeah. our grandparents might have been the electricity generation. It does feel like if you're five today, you're going to be growing up with this stuff. And that's kind of a deep idea, but mm-hmm. it does, to me, get to the idea of designing this stuff mm-hmm. where you're actually doing that. And I think increasingly that stuff is going to become more available to us where what was great about OpenAI and ChatGPT initially was that it was available to everybody so everyone could interact yeah. with the chatbots. Yeah. What everyone can't really do yet, although some of this is starting to come online, is design their own chatbots. Yeah. And that's yeah. something you've been able to do and you were telling me you're using this in some of your workshops. Can yeah. you talk a little bit about what's involved in, to me, it's both like the AI literacy, but then maybe like a maker's mindset and a designer's yeah. mindset to actually get in there and use the tools. What's that been like? So I think one of the things that I really appreciate about kind of the shift in chat and GPT, it's hard to say appreciate, but from a teaching perspective as someone who's focused on AI literacy, before chat GPT, talking about AI was teaching AI from a non-technical perspective was challenging because AI is operating in the background of our lives, right? You've got Netflix, you've got Spotify, you got Uber, all these things. Those are all algorithms shaping your decisions. Right. But that kind of would land. ChatGPT comes out, and now all of a sudden, people understand AI. And even better, they can get hands-on and play. Yeah. And that creates a different relationship to your understanding mm-hmm. of AI. Mm-hmm. And that is, a, that is a benefit, right? And so now, you know, you can actually go, if you subscribe to OpenAI, you can build your own custom bots, right? right so I pay right. 20 bucks a month. You know, you can use ChatGPT for free. But if you pay, you do get to build these bots. And so as they chatbot builder i was like well yeah i'm gonna just go build every bot that i wanted to build that i couldn't do because it would take me months to do it and build it in five minutes yeah yeah but that's really the difference in the mm-hmm. technology mm-hmm. in my field 
And so I did. And one of the bots, I built two different bots. I built one that um, I call them helpers. And I built one that was like AI basics. I call it the AI helper. And what it does is it's meant in my workshops where I'm doing basically a one-on-one workshop. And it's meant for if I'm in a class of like teaching a workshop online, these are mostly online, of like 100 people, it can answer questions. Yeah. Because I break for Q&A, I break for discussion, but I can't get every question and not everyone wants to ask the question. Yeah. And so this is really designed for the people that are like, really curious. She said training a model. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. And this bot can answer it. And not only can it answer it, it can answer it in a way that it uses analogies that makes it far more accessible than some of that technical training that is out there that doesn't do that. Right, right. So I'll use that. And then I have another bot that's on use cases. So really breaking down, like if I'm, I have a series called AI in business. And so if I'm teaching one of the workshops that's focused on, you know, for leaders, AI at work, they want to know what the use cases are. Mm-hmm. And so we go over that, but then they get a chance to actually play with it and like brainstorm with the bot, what possible use cases could be for their enterprise. Mm-hmm. So I find them to be really fun to experiment with. Students seem to like them or participants seem to like them. I can't track metrics, which is the only downside. I'd mm-hmm. love to just know like yeah. what people are doing, right. but they are tools and you know, you could build them just like you could get on runway AI and build a, a, a video. I talk about that all to say that maker's mindset is great when you're using it positively. But going back to what you said before, they're also being used by people with bad intent, creating mm. deep fakes, creating misinformation, yeah. and really just supercharging some of our problems. So, you know, I talk about these favorably, but also there are some real problems with these tools. And I think that's where that learning comes in for all of us is to really understand that holistic perspective. Yeah, absolutely. What I've been saying is AI is not going to take your job. Somebody who uses AI is going to yeah. take your job. So yeah. make sure you're at least using these tools. Yeah. Folks want to learn more. They want to find out about the courses you're offering. Uh, where would they yeah. go? What should they do? Yep, they can go to my website. It's soboringai.com. The company is Boring AI, but the website is soboringai.com. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and you'll see a list of my courses on there. I, I do them for groups. I do them specifically for leaders and executives too, because mm-hmm. we're all learning together, right? It's yeah, not yeah. like the leaders also, you know, came with this background, but they're being tasked with like delivering on this. Right. And so it's really trying to think about, you know, how do we get people up to speed, people who are building the tools or people who are just like, look, I need to learn more right. about this. So that's really my goal. That's awesome. You know, the conversation reminds me of another uh, interview I did a little while back with Nathez uh, Dekak, and he was talking about how what he thinks would be the breakthrough for learning is when learners, students, rather than having the AI teach them things, they have to teach the AIs. And by virtue of teaching the AIs, they have to understand better the actual mechanics of thinking, oh, absolutely. which yeah. I thought was a really cool idea. And it reminds me a lot of the, the work that you're doing. We're at time here, Nicole. It's wonderful having you back with your third time. You get a refrigerator magnet. So hopefully we'll be hearing from you again. As we conclude here, I'm sure folks got a lot out of the conversation, but if you wanted to give them a few takeaways as they head back to the rest of their lives, what do you want to close with? Okay. Get curious. Number one, get curious, right? And then number two, ask the questions. Mm. Just start asking the questions and, and, and be open to it. And I think and maybe in the previous po- podcast, I had said embrace awkward. 
Mm. It's real awkward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? To put right. yourself out there. But start doing that and get in the habit of that because, you know, that's what's going to be the foundation for your learning mindset. So fantastic stuff with Nicole Merrill, the founder of the Boring AI Company and also someone with deep experience in conversation design and conversational AI. Thank you so much for joining me on today's show, Nicole. Thank you so much, Michael. It was so much fun. And for our listeners, hopefully you enjoyed what you heard. If you did, please spread the word, write us a review, do all the good things. We'll be back again soon. This is Trending in Education. <laughs>